Hey, the start of something special right here, man. Let's go. Number one fantasy player right here. Got past the line. Shut up. Know the rules. I just want to say this to you. Right now, best in the game. I know. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the PAT Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Andrew Mackins, and we've got Sam Hoppin, my co-host here, as usual. How are you doing, Sam? What's up, man? Some of these people may have just listened to our quarterback episode, so oh, we don't sure need to so. do <laughs> too much small talk. Uh, <laughs> but this is the tight ends episode, or as I like to call it, the firm asses episode. So um, <laughs> we're going to dive right into it. Uh, talking about tight end drafting strategy, where you would take certain tight ends, and again, players we want to target and players we want uh, want to avoid. So let's get right into it. But first, and this game is underway. We have a kickoff question. We sure do. Now you're gonna have to explain this one because you came up with this. So I'll let you have okay. the floor. Well. It's funny reading this now because the temperature in Chicago is like 55 degrees uh, and it's June 16th when we're recording. So I, I wrote down in our notes, it's finally getting hot outside. Global climate change is going to drastically change our civilization by 2050. And so I was thinking about that from like news story that came out a couple of weeks ago. I mean, this technically and, is the effect of climate change, I would think. Yes. But people... Science. Yeah. But it's not hot out, so it's not a problem. Um, just kidding. But anyway, my kickoff question is, who is the hottest or like the most hyped up player that you are buying into right now for 2019? Yeah, my guy is a guy that came out of the scene a couple of years ago, has been a tremendous receiver in Juju Smith-Schuster. I just love him. He's one of my favorite players to watch. All of the stuff that he does off the field with going to prom with some guys, playing video games, all those things that are just awesome. I, and it's fun to root for people that you like. So that's a big reason why I want him on my team. But from a fantasy perspective, again, I don't think he's going to get many more targets this year on the Steelers offense. I don't expect them to be throwing nearly as much as they did last year, but I do expect the touchdowns to go up. He was in, I believe, the top five in red zone targets and was one of the few players in the top 20 to have single-digit touchdowns. So I just think there's a lot of positive regression that could be coming his way from a touchdown perspective with Antonio Brown gone and just needing to fill in some of those gaps again I don't I don't I wouldn't expect the yardage or targets or receptions to increase a ton but I think he could certainly hit 13 maybe up to 15 touchdowns this season yeah especially if you know Roethlisberger already has some rapport with them they're gonna get tighter and tighter probably uh, or more in sync and yeah I I like that you mentioned like he's just a fun guy to watch I didn't actually know you were a huge fan of him per se but um i even i do remember like when he first kind of came out of the scene as a rookie it was because like antonio brown stole his bike or something (laughs) so he was on twitter like help me find my bike and that it kind of allowed him to let his personality flourish uh in the social media age like a lot more than certain other players like do um so 
I, I do like that pick. Um, it'd be interesting to see if I, I, I get him in any drafts. Um, so I uh, took a bit of a different route in terms of why I would buy into the hype, but my guy is David Montgomery. He's a rookie running back for the Bears. Uh, if you have listened to that quarterbacks episode already, and if you listen to the rest of this episode, you're going to hear me talk about the Bears a lot. Um, after Jordan Howard left the Bears offense, there is a lot of opportunity for carries and receptions available here. Uh, again, uh, Matt Nagy, I think, is really the guy that I'm buying into more than any of the actual players. I think that that system is going to let them flourish. And there's one thing I've noticed in some of their primetime games that Matt Nagy has, like, in the bottom corner of his playbook. It just says BU, and I think that that's, like, really cool. So he is, like, making sure he's, uh, you know, being himself and having fun on the field while he's orchestrating 19 play drives down the <laughs> field. But I digress. Uh, I think I'm buying into this hype because of that opportunity. There are a lot of people that think uh, he's got the talent. He's got better pass catching talent than Jordan Howard, which is something that I think Nagy really wants. Uh, something that's akin to like a Kareem Hunt in the Chiefs offense or yeah. what Damian Williams was at the end of the Chiefs season last year. And so I'm excited to see that flourish uh as I mentioned before, and will mention again. Yeah, I think he's a guy, if you go zero RB in the first couple of rounds, say you go two receivers and a tight end in the first three rounds, and you can snag him in maybe the fourth round, he would be a great person to be have your have as your RB1 if, again, you're going yeah. that route, because he does have a lot of upside, and yes, there's, there's some downside with him, but I think just if you're not putting as much draft capital into running back, he is a great guy to be targeting. Yeah, and we'll talk about running backs more in another episode. What's interesting is I'm much more willing to buy in on, on like a rookie running back making an immediate impact nowadays compared yeah. to like a rookie wide receiver. Uh, just because what we've seen from the it's maybe recency bias, but guys like Leonard Fournette, Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, like uh, Kareem Hunt, even like they're making an impact right away and. Um, so there's an opportunity for Montgomery to do the same. So let's jump into that tight end overview, uh, the meat of this episode. Um, we're just going to start off with strategy again and then get into the guys we want to target or avoid. And we really want to just clarify that when we are looking at tight end rankings in particular, we're looking at this through the lens of half PPR. Uh, for me personally, I kind of look at half PPR and PPR the same. Obviously, the more receptions really is it's compounded in full point PPR, but you're right. still getting points for um, receptions one way or the other. So I kind of think about it the same. And uh, just to start things out here, like in terms of, you know, what guys to target in the early, early rounds, there are really only three guys that we want to talk about. And this is what everyone in the industry is yeah. saying too. Uh, Zach Ertz, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle. These are like the top guys that you would even bother like considering in the first three rounds yeah i don't know I, i've been going back and forth i think you know i tried the tight end early approach last year getting gronk and that didn't go quite as well as i would have hoped now i'm trying to not let that impact my decision making for this year because there is such an advantage to having some of you know these couple of guys at the adp and the rankings obviously show i I would much rather have Kelsey than have to settle for Ertz or Kittle. I think there's 
again, with the amount of, excuse me, the number of playmakers that the Eagles have, I think there's a chance that Ertz goes down a little bit in some yeah. of his targets and things like that. Kittle had a monster year, and not to say that he can't do it again, but he did have, obviously, the best year of his career. Like, we don't know yet if that's the rule or the exception, and he barely played with Jimmy Garoppolo last year. Him coming back could make a big difference. They do have a ton of weapons. They have all the running backs, a bunch of shiny new receivers, so... I, I would much rather just take Kelsey in the second, early or mid-second, or just wait until the very end of the draft to snag a guy. Okay, we're going to get into that end of the draft scenario because I think that's going to be way more prevalent for people because yeah. it's going to be... You're going to be, be the majority of the a people. A quarter of your league has one of those top tight ends. I'm a little intrigued by or like almost worried rather about Ertz too um because of Dallas Goddard who we're going to talk about later uh but Kittle's the one that I'm kind of the most interested with in that group just because like yeah he had 1300 yards so that could come down but he only had five touchdowns so yeah. similar to your juju argument is that that could go up especially if Jimmy looks for him in the red zone but right um if you do want that guy that you similar to quarterbacks that you're going to lock in, you're going to play every week, especially in the tight end position, because there's fewer guys that you know you can lock in. Those are going to be the three you want to focus on. Sure. So you don't have to worry about streaming tight end. It's easier to stream quarterback than stream tight end. Yeah. That we can agree on. Yes, definitely. There were way more options for quarterback than tight end. Right. So if you don't <laughs> want the tight sure. end, yeah. If you don't want the tight end headache, then do target one of those top three guys and it'll make things easier, but it will make things harder at maybe other positions when you're trying to find someone that you want to have to hit on in like the later rounds. Yeah, and I think it's especially important to note too that these guys will have their bad games. So don't think that just because they have one or two bad games in a row that they're totally not worth it. The, The great and amazing games that you can get out of them, you just see a lot more of them from these guys than, say, a, a David Njoku or a Hunter Henry, people like those. So, again, keep that in mind. If if it doesn't work out early in the season, hang on with them and keep going because the targets for these guys, and that's, that's the biggest part is the targets are a lot more consistent with these top three guys and being able to produce consistently. All right, so you did mention David Njoku within that uh, take there, and I think that's a good place for us to start because it's one of the guys that you have uh, listed that you are targeting, I presume, correct? Yeah, so I think a lot is made in several offenses of the, you know, there are too many mouths to feed. There are so many guys, you know, how are you going to split all these targets? You've got David Njoku, you've got... Nick Chubb, you've got Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, Antonio Callaway could make his way in there. But I I just don't believe that crap anymore because the Rams showed last year that you can have several high-quality receiving options in Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Brandon Cooks, and Ty Gurley. The Chiefs certainly showed that there are plenty of targets to go around. And I think in these scenarios, talent just automatically you know can win out and 
David Njoku was a favorite target of Bakers in the red zone last year. And I think I would expect that to continue. I think there is some room for Njoku to grow too. So you're not buying him at his ceiling because they added OBJ you get a little bit more of a discount. And yes, OBJ will take away some of the touchdowns, some of the targets, all that sort of stuff if he wasn't there. But I just think if we're expecting, or excuse me, if this Brown Browns offense does what we're expecting it to do, Baker's going to put up 35, 40 touchdowns and have a phenomenal season. I think that there is plenty to go around. I don't think with Njoku there's quite as much predictability with him so again he's got to be one of those guys where you're comfortable saying okay there are going to be a couple weeks where he doesn't have great games he might be totally phased out of the offense but hopefully over the course of the season he has enough of those great games more than some of these other guys that we'll talk about to be able to sway the outcome of your matchup and still provide some value from draft day yeah, I, I tend to agree with you there because we think about, you know, and I don't think about this constantly, but people in the industry stat out players and you when you're statting out a quarterback, you look at like if we're projecting Baker to get somewhere in the like 3,500 to 4,000 yard range, that's not going to be split between three players. That's going to yeah. be split across an entire team. So you have to imagine like, Njoku's going to get his within that yeah. um, offense. So, like you said, 40 touchdowns, that if that's the ceiling for Baker, you can split that up over, amongst their top talent guys pretty well. Like, And he could get – I don't know if Njoku will get 1,000 yards, but I think he'll get enough where – he will have, like, those yeah. big games, like you said, where, you know, if he contributes to you winning, like, a few games throughout the season, that's the difference between you making the playoffs and yeah. not. So, I think that's a good point there. Um the guy that I want to jump into, and I have him as a target, but I'm kind of wavering on my opinion here. <laughs> it's a guy in a... Cold feet a, already? <laughs> yeah. I, I haven't been able to plant my flag yet. Uh, the It's a guy who's young. He's in a top-tier offense, but there are also a lot of mouths to feed. He was the number six tight end last year, and his name is Austin Hooper. So... <laughs> Austin Hooper, 24 years old, he's shown flashes in games. Like I was watching the the shootout that was them and the Bucks, where it ended on like a, some failed hook and ladder by the Bucks. Like Deshaun Jackson dropped the ball and then oh, the game I ended. That. Yeah. Um, so I watched this game and Hooper had a great game in this. He caught everything that came his way. Uh, Matt Ryan was just slinging it everywhere, and I could see like because he's so young that there's potential for him to still improve upon what he's already done. It's an offense where I'm I'm curious, maybe it's because Julio Jones is so dominant that like can it support him and Calvin Ridley and Devontae Freeman and Mohamed Sanu, or maybe Hooper jumps over Mohamed Sanu. But I have him as a target because I'm I do feel like there's that opportunity for him to jump up. I I likened him being in that offense too when Tony Gonzalez was on the uh, Falcons back when like Julio, Roddy White, and a couple others were on that team. And Tony Gonzalez was able to produce in the Falcons yeah. offense then. So I don't see why a tight end couldn't produce in this offense now. 
other than maybe the fact, well, Austin Hooper isn't fucking Tony Gonzalez. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a, a big comparison to make. Yeah, so I'm not saying that in terms of like an, analyzing his talent, but it doesn't seem like he's a, an untalented player. But maybe he is just a guy. I, it, there's definitely late-round value there, and he's in a high-powered offense. So I'd be willing to take a chance on him. But I guess the question I would go back to you is, would it, what other guys within that range? Like, would, like Vance McDonald or... And Austin Hooper, who would you rather go with? Yeah, I've I've got Hooper ranked one spot ahead of him. So they're he Hooper and McDonald are back to back in my rankings. I'm you know, those two guys, Jared Cook and a couple there are a couple other guys, are sort of in that range where I I think in drafts they'll end up you'll you'll end up having to take them earlier than you want because there might be a run on tight ends and you might get a little scared and want just one of these guys that I think has a lot of hype around him, mm-hmm. but I don't want to pay that capital for him. I think I'd rather go a round or two earlier and take, again, take Njoku, take OJ Howard or Hunter Henry, than wait for one of these guys that I think is a little bit less predictable. So again, it's, I don't know that I'm, especially excited about him or anyone in this range just because if I am going to wait I'm just going to wait even more and And get one of these and just totally punt on it and just you know it's going to suck and I'm going (laughs) to hate the fact that my guy gets two catches for 18 yards maybe three weeks in a row but I I should hopefully have the mental capacity (laughs) to go in and be like okay, I sacrificed this for a couple of these other guys. I think <laughs> if at that point, too, if I am, like, that shitty in the position, I'll just end up streaming. I'll pick and, up Jason Witten at that point. Yeah, right? <laughs> I mean, it, so I, I, I'm just not particularly excited about spending, like, an eighth or ninth round pick on some of these guys because I think the, the, dis, the distinction between them and, again, some of these 18th, 19th, 20th ranked guys, I don't think is quite as large. Right. So I wouldn't want to take Hooper in a single round, single digit round either. But if he fell into like a double digit, like 11th or 12th round, I think people kind of forget who he is or like that he's on the Falcons offense. So, and and the reason I bring up that he's young too is like I, not because like youth is an automatic determinant of talent, but it seems like the guys like Kelsey and Ertz and these other guys didn't break out until they were over 25, 26 years old. Yeah, I think we've seen from the lack of production from rookie tight ends, just the fact that it is so hard to come into an offense very quickly and learn the system as a tight end for whatever reason. I don't know what that is. It might be because they just want you to there. They have you there to block first. That's, that's like we'll too. start giving you your you pay your dues, and then you start getting worked into the offense more as you progress and show that you can actually run routes or be more athletic. You're probably not as if you're a tight end coming out of college. You're athletic like comparison to other athletes in the league isn't as great so like you've got to probably work out harder and develop into like an nfl athlete if you weren't one in college already yeah so speaking of these guys that i'd rather take a little later that i'm just as excited about but won't have to spend as much on 
sure as far as draft capital on draft day is is Mark Andrews and I mentioned last last episode for the QBs that for some reason I'm not super high on the Ravens offense but Mark Andrews and Lamar Jackson are two guys that if I'm totally punting on quarterback and tight end I'd be happy to have them on my team because there is so little risk and I think the rapport that he built with Jackson last year will certainly help. He has one of the earliest, excuse me, he has one of the easiest early season schedules, which I think is important because I think if if you're waiting until the 15, 16, 17 tight end to take a guy, you sort of go into it with the approach of, okay, who am I going to stream for the first couple weeks and then reevaluate the position after? So yeah. this is a guy I think who can get off to a hot start and maybe continue to progress and build on that success but again if he doesn't you just you drop him and start playing the position week to week last year he was he became the only rookie tight end in nfl history with 50 50 or more targets to sustain a yards per target mark in the double digits so i think that's that's huge i mean it's great it's I think, again, we're expecting Lamar Jackson to make this jump in the passing game. And if he does, I think Mark Andrews will be one of his favorite targets. If not, like, the top contributor. Yeah. Because we mentioned it before, but, like, rookie wide receivers, I don't put a lot of expectation in them. And that's what I'm kind of worried about this pass offense overall. But, like, Mark Andrews could do just as much as, like a Najoku or yeah. like he has the upside too, just because he's like the only guy that has any rapport with right. Jackson. So that, that is definitely a guy that I hope like stays in the double digit rounds. Yeah. Cause if I do punt, that would be like the guy in that, in those rounds I'd be definitely target, targeting for sure. Unless it's my, the other guy that I'm targeting here again on the bears offense, <laughs> which the is Trey Burton's and Trey Burton is playing that move tight end position. I don't really know exactly what that means, but I know that's what <laughs> Travis Kelsey plays for the Chiefs, so that's good enough for me. Um, again, second year of that offense, so Trey Burton will be able to you know, have more experience with the playbook and be ready to catch more of those shovel passes that are right <laughs> at the in the 10 zone or within the 5-yard line. Uh, it's interesting. This is a unique player. I, I didn't have him as a target at first, but... I thought about, like, why wouldn't I draft him again? Well, because I had him last year, (laughs) and he didn't break out like I expected him to because I drafted him in, like, the seventh round. And by the end of the year, that was, like, it really sucked to keep throwing him out in the lineup and just not doing it for me. He is the perfect example of a post-hype sleeper. Yes. Because you paid so much for him last year. The owners like you who spent that capital on him – are not going to want to do it again because they saw what they got from him and weren't excited. Now he's going as the 13th or 14th tight end overall, and he might get the same amount of production this upcoming year as he did last year. Or he might take a step. Or take a step, and at that, you're automatically getting a value then. So Mm -hmm. I I think he's a good player to target because of that, because... He's not nearly as pricey as he was last year, and you're still getting... I mean, it's basically the same team in 2019 for right. the Bears as it was for 2018, aside from the Jordan Howard, David Montgomery swap. Yeah. The offense as a whole isn't really that different, so I mm-hmm. wouldn't expect his 
usage or anything to change drastically. But right. like you said, there is some opportunity for him to take the next step and do a little bit better with the targets that he does get. Yeah, and some of those games he was playing were with like Chase Daniel under center too. Oh. So the games where he was with Trubisky, I think he was being quite a bit more successful. And so if you know Trubisky can play a 16-game season then I think that'll help with the bump as well. But it's funny we talk about like post-hype sleepers as like like who who are they? I only think of like the ones that I had before, so I'm not <laughs> going to draft now, right? So I'm I'm curious as we get more in deeper into the season is thinking about who are the guys that people were drafting high last year that uh and like specifically in the running back and wide receiver position that people are going to avoid in 2019 because they didn't live up to that hype. Yeah. So why don't we change gears here going from the former Eagles backup tight end to the current Eagles backup tight end in Dallas ah, Goddard. Nice transition. Thank, thank you. Thank you. We're, uh, we're figuring our way out here. So Dallas Goddard, I, I wrote an article about him this past week. Just Stopsports.com. <laughs> thank you. Uh, just looking to see if he really is worth a late round flyer pick because some of these guys, if if you're waiting until the very end of the draft to take your tight end, you're looking for someone you might be able to stream early on. And basically it doesn't look like he would be worth that value on draft day. But I think throughout the season, you can look to him as a potential streamer because again, the, the Eagles run a two tight end set so much that he'll be on the field enough. It's just, Will he garner the targets? Oh, I just mentioned our producer's last name. And, <laughs> I was thinking in, that in an oh, argument. Garner, get it? <laughs> this, this won't be the last time that happens, I'm sure. But we're just checking to see if he listens. <laughs> <laughs> Pay attention, Garner. Um, will he garner the? Will he garner here? the targets? Because again, that's the huge thing with tight end consistency. He had as many touchdowns last year as Austin Hooper did. So. Touchdowns is really a big indicator for tight ends, and I think he'll have a couple of games where he'll have a touchdown or two. You won't be able to predict that at all, but I think, again, on draft day, I'm not targeting him, but later in the season, if you're really in a pinch and need someone to stream in a bye week, I'd rather target him than some of, I mean, Delaney Walker or... Noah Fant. Noah Fant. Yeah, Hawkinson. Well, I guess it depends on what we see at that point. Yeah. I, again, I'd rather have I'd rather stream him than some of these because I think he's got the potential in any given week to have a hundred yards and a touchdown than uh, sure. some of these old farts that get three catches and fifty yards on a consistent basis. Jason Witten every week. Jason Witten. I just I'd rather have this guy with yeah. the upside than some of these other guys. Yeah, that's interesting because you brought him up as like a target, but more of like a post-draft target. Like, don't forget about him. Um, I mean, I'm going to shoot a scenario your way just because this is very specific to me. And, <laughs> and I think it'll be, well, maybe it'll be helpful for other people in keeper leagues or dynasty leagues out there. Well, dynasty, you have more roster spots. So ideally, you would want to have both of them on your roster in a yeah. dynasty. If you're in like a redraft, but it's a keeper league where, where, you know, I have Zach Ertz in a keeper league and I'm keeping him like the fifth round. No big deal. Uh, (laughs) 
would you spend like a last round or second to last round pick on Dallas Goddard with like a six man bench just be, as a handcuff because you don't want to get screwed over like having Ertz and then having to scramble later? Because some people have said, oh, if Ertz gets hurt, er, if Ertz gets hurt, <laughs> then I would spend a hundred. Like of my fab, a hundred percent of my free agent acquisition budget on this guy. Like yeah. I would do anything in my power to grab Dallas Goddard. That's how much like hype he has as this guy like waiting in the wings. And we were talking the other day of like, I mean, the upside, like the glass ceiling, the breakthrough would be like those two ending up being like the next Gronk and Hernandez. Aside, I'm not counting the like murder <laughs> stuff from Hernandez, but you know what I mean. Statistically, like that could happen. Yeah. I so to your question, I'm not a fan of handcuffs, regardless whether it's receiver, yeah. running back, or tight end. I think he is the only tight end handcuff that, if Ertz goes down, he will immediately step in and can have the same level of production as him. I, you know, if I'm trying to think of, you know, if Jimmy Graham goes down and. Jay Sternberger. Jay Sternberger <laughs> is now the starter. I'm not going out, like you said, and spending 100% of my fab on Jay Sternberger. So I don't know. I don't think I would use that a, a late round pick. I mean, it depends on how your team is looking at that point. If if all the sleeper running backs and wide receivers are all taken off the board, then yeah, it's great yeah. to have some insurance there because you're locked in with a top five tight end throughout the entirety of yeah. the season. But I don't think, I think he'll, he'd be closer to top six than top two. If Ertz sure. goes down. Yeah. That's a good point. It's something I'll have to weigh during the end of that draft. Um, so we've talked about a lot of guys that we want to target and I have, I do have another target on here, but let's talk about some guys we would potentially want to avoid. Is I've got a mini avoid, and I think this is something that maybe goes without saying, but for people that are more casual and they're looking for something that's not as like statistically driven, this is something to think about just because of hard numbers. Eric Ebron, I think most people are avoiding at this point because, yes, he had a great season last year, and that was largely because of having 13 touchdowns, but... Obviously, last year's stats don't equal next year's stats, and that's something that's important to remember. So when you think about Eric Ebron, you know, Jack Doyle was hurt a lot of last year, so the Colts are going to run two tight ends a lot as well. Even when Jack Doyle was hurt, you had Mo Alley-Cox like, <laughs> on the field scoring touchdowns too. So it, it was a great year for Ebron, but I can't imagine he's going to repeat the 13 touchdowns, which is obviously nice because you're basically guaranteed like six points a week. Yeah. Like, it, that was like Jimmy Graham the year before, like when he was on the Seahawks a couple of years back. Yeah. Like you could almost lock him in for a touchdown. So you want my hot take regarding the Colts tight ends? Yes, obviously. I've got Jack Doyle ranked higher than Eric Ebron. And I think it's all the stats last year too when the two of them were healthy. Jack Doyle was getting more snaps. He was getting more targets. It, it was just the touchdowns that Eric Ebron got. I don't, you know, he's... He's been having some injury stuff this offseason, too, which I don't think helps him. Mm -hmm. And if Jack Doyle is healthy, 
I just I just think he's a little bit more reliable and consistent than Eric Ebron is going to be. I I'm not going to touch Ebron with a ten foot pole, especially where he's going. Because yeah, that's the biggest thing. Is it's I, where he's being drafted again. This was his first time in a new offense. Like I would expect this to be more the anomaly season for him because the couple of years in Detroit before that he was basically nothing and he just he got a lot of touchdowns and I don't touch because touchdowns are so unpredictable especially with tight end I'm just not even gonna touch that and I'd rather wait another six rounds and draft Jack Doyle knowing that he's had a lot of rapport with Andrew Luck in the past in seasons prior yeah and I think will be more consistent on a target and yardage basis. Yeah, I like the Colts offense, and I think that Luck, the thing with that, though, is like Luck is a great guy to target if you like consistency in your quarterback position. Maybe not worth the value, but the point that I bring him up for is like he's going to be the type of guy to spread it around. And I think Reich showed last year he knows how to use certain players the right way. And that's how Ebron got those 13 touchdowns because he was being used well. Yeah. Um, but with just spreading it around, like it's all going to be situational. So it's yeah. like, how often are they going to get in the red zone to give Ebron that chance? And can he convert at the same percentage that he converted this last year? So definitely something that statistically we would see regressing to the mean. Um, because 13 touchdowns is like crazy in yeah. this league uh, in 2019. So We've got one guy left that we want to target. Uh, we can talk about him quickly. It's really the reverse of Eric Ebron, Jimmy Graham. I really had no intention of targeting him in the late rounds because he is one of those aforementioned old farts. <laughs> and I, like, it, in the Packers offense and being from Green Bay, so we've seen a lot of Packer yeah, games. Yeah, it's, it's funny because we've mentioned the Bears more times in these first two episodes <laughs> being excited about the Bears than... We have the Packers. Yeah, well, that's so a we'll story that. that I'll have to talk about later. But And we live in Chicago now. But we've seen a lot of Packers games. We know that like the only tight end that's been great since, like, in the past. Since and, Bubba Franks, I believe. No, well, there's Bubba say. Franks. But in between <laughs> there, there was, like, one season where Jermichael Finley like, yeah. was great. And then he kind of fell off a cliff. So, for me, I've, regardless of who's the who the coordinator, who the coach is, I've never really expected there to be this like dominant tight end in like modern Green Bay Packers offense. Yeah, it's it's sort of the chicken and the egg too, because a lot of the argument last year around Jimmy Graham was, well, Aaron Rodgers never targets his tight end. Well, he's never really had a top talent tight end before this. I mean, again, the couple of years they had with Jermichael Finley, he was near the top. I mean, certainly not Kittle or sort of yeah. Kelsey level at this point. Um, well, they had Jared then, Cook a couple years ago. But yeah, literally one pass really, to Jared Cook. That's, yeah. Anyone will remember that. Um, but again, the fact that, I mean, I, I was even surprised to see the fact that he only had two touchdowns last year is yeah. just ridiculous. I think, I think that could even go up. I wouldn't expect it to get to double digits by any means than what he was with Seattle, but I think six, maybe seven is realistic. Yeah. And, and I don't I don't think the yardage will 
be a ton this year, but again, I, I it, he he will get more touchdowns than two if he's healthy the whole year. And, and I think that's the biggest thing here is like Jimmy Graham. Obviously, I wouldn't draft him in anything other than double digit rounds for yeah. one, probably twelfth or later. So he's in that Mark Andrews range currently. If you are punting on tight end, and though the reason I put him in here as a target was just because of that, like the perception or the expectation, because he's got the name value of Jimmy Graham, right? So right. you might might want to avoid it for that reason. But like our friend Evan, who's like a diehard Packers <laughs> fan before last season, was like. 10 touchdowns, lock it up. And I'm like, that is not going to happen like that easy. But old now, takes exposed? Yeah, old takes exposed on our friend Evan here. But to be fair, like now he is in, as I mentioned, like with Trey Burton and the Bears, second year in the offense. And I think well, Rodgers is mean, setting camp. offense, though. Oh, that's true. Fuck. But I, uh, I <laughs> but I, so I think well, that's, like that's second important. Year with Rodgers too. Second like, year with Rodgers, but I think it's important to know that Lafleur with the Titans last year. I mean, they had Delaney Walker for a couple, yeah, couple like of one games. game. <laughs> Was it only he one got game? Hurt, I mean, yeah. it, I would think he he knows how to use his weapons and mm-hmm. target some of the guys that are talented enough to get those targets. Well. I mean, we'll he see. did talk to Sean McVay once, but yeah. if you think about that, it's like the the Rams' offense, McVay's offense, hasn't figured out the tight end position yet either. Like they're not producing, and maybe that's because of talent. Like if they yeah. had if they had someone else, then they would do better. But it it will be like it's one of those things. It's where okay, you're you're picking this guy up. If he doesn't do anything in the first three or four weeks, then you, you got to pick someone else up. So. I think that's all we've got for this episode, though, huh? Yeah, that's a lot of tight end talk. Yeah, I could talk about firm asses all day long, <laughs> but I, we're going to have to close this out, unfortunately. We're going to be doing running backs and wide receivers next uh, in two se- separate episodes. That might run a little bit longer, but we're excited to talk about the um, the more staple positions of fantasy football uh, oh, with yeah. you guys soon. So, again, this is uh, PAT Fantasy Football. Our Twitter is at PodAfterTD, and it's at Andrew Mackins and at Sam Hoppin for a personal, also at Garnther for the for our producer's Twitter if you want to follow, follow him as well. And that's all we've got for this episode. We'll see you guys on running backs and wide receivers. And the kick is good. Three-yard attempt and the right hash mark. And the Eagles run out into the field, but there's still five seconds. So they've got to get back. He does it again. Brought back to the spot of a kick. It will be Philadelphia. Did this hit the upright and the crossbar?